Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Reluctantly Graceful, the podcast. Thanks for hanging in there and listening to all of our, our, our thoughts, theories, and all the things. We're talking this week about soul ties. When we had started our whole two-episode journey into the energies, masculine and feminine, and what that looks like, one of the topics that came up during that discussion was soul ties. So we decided we were going to touch base and talk through that. Which is very interesting. So, Steph, do you want to share what we found on the the internets and in the Holy Bibblage? Very interesting. She says, "I think that we're we're trying to get to the root of the soul ties." Uh, Brittany heard about soul ties growing up in her church. It was it was I've heard I've heard about soul ties in my church's experiences. I guess because, like, you know. Multiple churches. Oh, okay. The experiences. I was going to say, I don't know where that came from, um, but okay. <laughs> I don't know where that came from either. And I felt the need to explain it. So, I mean, I think it's an ever-learning journey. <laughs> but I I feel like... Stop laughing. I'm, I'm trying to like... I'm sorry. And I told you yeah. I was in a silly mood today. Ah, uh, And you wanted to have this conversation. <laughs> Yes, I did. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to step in or are you good? No, you go for it. Because clearly you have it in your head how you wanted me to speak. I'm fine with how you're speaking. I thought there was going to be more of an intro and you didn't do much of an intro. That's fair. Do you want me to? That is fair. We did. (laughs) People listen. People are listening for you anyways. No, they're not. They're listening to both of our dialogues. (laughs) And they're also wondering what we're doing now. But if they've listened to any of the other episodes, they know this is just the, the welcome to the story, the story life. We had had the conversation during, I think it was the first episode that we filmed or recorded. You already said that part. Right. But I'm just giving a little more background where <laughs> specifically like where it came from. So like you had made a statement about you didn't know if you believed in soul ties. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Let's come back to it. At the time when I said that and why we decided to have like this an in-depth conversation more so about it was I grew up believing from the pulpit at church that soul ties were a biblical thing. You said you didn't know how you felt about it. And then some additional conversation, it was like, okay, well, are they really in the, is it really a biblical thing? Is it rooted in truth or not? And let's discuss, let's talk about it. Um, It's not, it's not in the Bible. I think it came from purity culture. It seems to be a very new age, self-help, psychological, like psychology wave that people were on for a long time to try to explain away some poor decisions that people were continuously making that were habitual, that didn't have a strong root as to why they made it. Um, They were making like some of the same decisions over and over again. So it was kind of, oh, it had to be because of soul ties. And that just kind of became a thing. I think the church picked it up during purity culture when it was just like, say no to sex, don't have sex, don't let people touch you, don't even kiss people until you're married because then your souls will be mingled and then your souls are mingled. Then like people get a portion of you and half of you and all this crazy stuff that should have never been a thing because it's not okay and it's not realistic and it's not how life really works. And all the great metaphors of every time you have sex, you give a petal of your rose away. You didn't hear them? The metaphors of the roses, the chocolate bars. No. My favorite was the chocolate bars because, you know, I like chocolate. But I'm sorry. It was this concept during purity culture 
of just just for skim over <laughs> no i really would like to know about you, this chocolate bar no, thing because i've okay, i no, you mentioned it when we were prepping for the episode like just talking about it but i i was just like okay i don't know what that is okay so it's like the concept of th- like they had a whole bunch of metaphors while we were teenagers to to try and talk us out of having sex the the rose with the petals that was one the chocolate bar where you have a chocolate bar that you get to present to your spouse when you get married. Every time you do something sexual with somebody who is not your spouse, you know, like you're giving a piece of that chocolate away. So realistically, they're saying, and they would like in youth group, take a full chocolate bar and say, all right, so you kissed so-and-so, he got a piece of your chocolate. (gasps) This person gets a piece of the chocolate. And then when you get married, what do you have left to present your spouse on your wedding day? Do you have an entire chocolate bar or do you have a half of one, a piece? Do you have anything left to give your spouse? As an adult, a full-fledged grown person, I am emotionally traumatized by what that is. So I grew up during purity culture. I was raised and like bought into purity culture to an extent. But nothing like that. Now, I also went to a black church. And so black church always, no, I shouldn't say all, I'm not going to categorize, not all black churches, but a majority of black churches do things differently. And so purity culture wasn't a thing in church growing up, but it was in the sense of there were a lot of young single moms at my childhood church growing up. And so it was more or less along the lines of don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant. And then when Mean Girls came out, like I would always add, like, don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant and die. Because that was just kind of like what their gym coach said during like their sex education portion in that movie. And I just thought it was really funny. But it was never like beyond that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say like I read all the I like and act like I didn't read all the books. I read all the books like I read I Kissed and Goodbye. I read a lot of different things because I was intrigued by it. And I also was just a reader. And I was like, okay, like, what is this thing? Like, what does it mean? So, so soul ties was talked about, but it wasn't talked about like that. Yes, but we never used the term soul ties. So I didn't, while we had these other things to show how you give yourself away, I guess, um, during like purity culture, I didn't hear anything of soul ties until like I moved to Virginia. And that's when it was like, okay, well, this is something being taught from the church. Sounds interesting, but I don't know that I agree. So I'm just not going to fully. I have so many questions, none of which you'll be able to answer. And that's okay. But I have so many questions. To the point of now we have both researched. Yes. Soul ties are not a thing read the bible and tried to find all the things and it's not in the holy scripture that i read or found no and that you read or found it's not in there and the one thing that we both found consistently was that people the christian world uses soul ties as jonathan david's friendship right so they're using i really didn't think that we friendship i didn't think we were gonna go here but yeah here we are (laughs) we don't have to go we don't have to go that deep into it but no it's it's reality so i was having you're talking friendship versus every time you have sex you create a soul tie with this person and they're gonna 
you know. So I was having a conversation with one of my good guy friends last night. We were Marco Poloing back and forth, like talking about soul ties. Like, what's your thought? Is this a thing that you've thought about? Where do you stand on it? Do you think it's biblical? Do you think it's not? Um, it was a really good conversation. But one of the things that he said that I thought was very interesting was like he mentioned, he said, I don't have soul ties with people that I've had sexual relationships with, but he did kind of like use like the David and Jonathan example. He said, but I would say that I'm more connected with you because we've been friends forever. Like we've been friends Mm -hmm. forever and we've walked through some very deep and heavy seasons of each other's lives. Um, Some very painful things, some very excited things, some things that were just kind of like, meh. And just, you know, everything. And so there, there is a little bit of a, of a history that's established there because we've experienced so much. But even then it was like, that's not a soul tie. I'm just very closely connected to you because of the things that we have walked through life with each other. And so this idea that soul ties are connected with everyone that you have sex. First of all, we need to never, ever use these analogies again, <laughs> like chocolate, rose petals, like a whole bunch of different things. Like we need to never use that because in my mind, I'm thinking through this and I'm just thinking, how incredibly damaging is that to a young girl or to even a young man who they're hearing these messages, they're seeing these things, but then there are other, like there are circumstances that have happened in their life that have been very deep and very painful that they did not have a consensual first encounter with someone. Where do they fit into that? And I think that that's one of the things that purity culture never, from my lens and what I was aware of, like never fully addressed that. I think that's very shameful. If we can't address the hard things that people have experienced and walk through, then we can't just make these blanket statements and these blanket movements because then we're excluding a whole group of people. That is not fair and it's not okay. And we shouldn't do that. God is not a God of exclusion. I mean, he is. He is in the sense of like, he wants people to love him and be in a relationship with him, but he's not a God of exclusion of like, because of your circumstances, I'm not going to show up for you. Because of your circumstances, I'm not going to bless you. Because of your circumstances, I'm not going to do these things. And then things that like you have had no control over or things that you did willingly choose. Like he's, that's not how he operates. So I'm not sure why we continuously see in church culture as a whole that we do a lot of exclusive things to a God who is not exclusive. That's like a whole nother episode of why no, the that's church true. isn't being the church. No, that's true. It is a different episode. Um, but I, I just, that, but when I think through purity culture, I'm thinking through and soul tie specifically. I, I, I just know I grew up. I know. Cause I remember you being like, nah, I don't know about that statement of you not knowing. I did. About I said ties. that because I was like, you I don't... really like you almost judged me in that moment because you were like, yeah, I don't agree with that. Let's just put that on pause for now. But and but it wasn't a judgment. It was like I've never heard someone say that. Like I've I've never heard a Christian say that. So in that moment, I was like, oh wait, we gotta put that on pause. That's a deeper conversation. Like that's a conversation that's going to derail the episode that we were recording at the time. Okay, and so more in depth. And that's literally the first time I've I've heard it talked about. And how it was talked about and how it was presented, I don't think that soul ties being talked about was ever done in a way that provided answers or clarity, or it was like presented as like a safeguard. It was definitely presented as like a, you don't want your life to be painful and miserable and to do all of these things because you chose to do this, which also is not a reality either, because even people who do choose to do those things, then... So 
Well, so like what? even in my research, it's more it is more of a new age belief that like is rooted in Hindu and <gasps> Greek mythology. So like you're looking at like you're cuz the whole thing of a soul tie is that your souls are connected. Your souls are linked to one another somehow some way. But like as you dig into it more, it's it says like it's linked it's tied to reincarnation mm. because your souls were there before your body was there, but they're connected. So you just feel more connected to that person. No, thank you. Because you were reincarnated and maybe you were, you know, in a past life connected. Who like I reject So even that. just like looking back to that looking back that far and going, Meh. <laughs> I don't know about that. Jesus But us Christians out here using it. Jesus as a way to get people to stop having sex. Jesus is actively saying, I believe in this moment, like please remove me from that narrative because that's not mine. Like like if you Google how to get rid of a soul tie, the answer that you find on the internet is not prayer. It's not. I like what when we talked about it earlier, I know the answer was not prayer. If you type it's not prayer. It's not prayer. It's like, you know, calling upon spirits and Mm -mm. like calling out the name of this person and rejecting them in your soul. No. Like all that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. So why do we, why Why do do we, that's true though. Like, why do we say that? And why is it a thing? Why is it a thing? So I I do understand. I, I do think that the church does it because they don't know how else to address sex before marriage. Because soul ties were never, I guarantee you, soul ties were never talked about in the church in, like, the early 1900s when people were getting married in the, as teenagers. Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. Like, sex before marriage wasn't a thing then. It's just in this these recent years, it's like the church is trying to figure out how to stop teenagers, how to stop people who aren't married from having sex. Because... They don't want us to have sex. Which is a whole different other topic for another day. Um, <laughs> in some regards. But I do... I, that's very lazy to me. That's very lazy. I think it's just a lack of understanding. It only takes... A, and at laziness. This point, you, at this point, it takes one or two big churches with big names with a lot of people to preach something. And people go, oh, that kind of makes sense. I'm going to preach that too. And laziness. Because in my, because yes, yes, yes. You and your laziness. I'm sorry. I know. I'm stuck on that in this moment because I'm thinking through this. Yes, you are so right. If a couple of big name churches would start talking about it, then it would then all of a sudden like gain momentum and a lot of people would start talking about it. Not disputing that, whatever, like whatsoever. I 100% agree with that. But I also think that it's laziness on the part that it should not take two to five pastors who are nationally recognized to talk about something that we can all talk about on a daily basis. Like they cannot be the forerunners of original thoughts, or I shouldn't even say original thoughts, of more investigative study. They cannot be the forerunners of that. So real realistically, it's probably in part, to an extent, laziness on the part of some people who are saying, ah, I don't really agree with that, but I'm not really going to push back. I'm not going to really fight for it because what's the harm? And I think Oftentimes, 
we as Christians and as a church, we look at a lot of situations or a lot of things and we just say, okay, but what's the harm? Like, it's not really harming anybody for us to do that. It's not really detrimental to anybody. It's not putting one's like physically in a dangerous situation or a lot of different things. It's kind of protecting in a sense, it has a dual purpose. If people buy into it, then they won't do some of the things that God has asked us not to do and a lot of different things. And so then they just kind of let it go. But then it leads to a very dangerous like pathway of, well, if we let it go now, then it's going to continue to morph and it's going to continue to grow legs and it's going to go grow momentum. And what someone could have stopped years ago is now a thing that people are buying into and believing as truth. And they're using it to guide their conversations. They're using it to guide their relationships. They're using it to guide their, their interactions. And that I think is where the problem is. The problem is, and it's laziness. You can just be like, no, 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 no. I don't like that. Let's look into that first. Like we need to dive into that before we just all of a sudden start spouting off and speaking about it and talking about it. We need to know where it's coming from. We need to know what it is. And instead of just going, I mean, it's not hurting anything. So we're just going to let it. That's laziness to me. That's laziness. (laughs) Okay. Do you not agree? Do you not think it's laziness? No, I just think that that's a funny way to think about it. Like, I never would have thought about it like that. The older I get, the more I'm looking at life differently. And I'm looking at it as a lot of things with the best intentions are done at times because people think, well, it's not going to really harm anything. So do we really need to address it? Until we end up in a situation where it's like, "Mm, we should have addressed it. Yeah, we should have addressed it. It's never, if it does no harm, we don't address it. If you think that it needs to be addressed and then as you're processing through it and realize, well, it doesn't hurt anything, that's great. But you still felt that it was something that needed to be talked about, needed to be addressed at some point. So let's address it. That's how 95% of our episodes are. I'm like, mm, that's where I don't know how I feel about that. Let's look into it. Oh, well, we got to talk about it. We got to figure this out because it's just because it might not do any harm on a larger scale, on a smaller scale, it potentially could. Soul ties are not a thing, people unhealthy relationships are okay so and we are not endorsing people into to recklessly unhealthy out here. relationships what about i mean i know the answer to this but what about the people who say when you get married you to become one i don't know the age demographic of the people that listen to this podcast so i hope that it's all adults because that is what happens right some of it i think is looking at it's now it's no longer two separate lifestyles of people who do things two drastically different ways or just do things differently because you're single you're independent you're doing things and when you get married you're literally taking two lives and you're figuring out how it can function and work as one so yes two do become one because instead of having four million bank accounts you hopefully would just have one bank account or two Or instead of divvying things up, (laughs) instead of divvying things up the way that they were done when you're single, you now, like it's, it is, it's a lot of merging and meshing of two different lifestyles or two lifestyles, separate lifestyles that are coming together as one lifestyle. So you have that financially, you have that finance, like I said financially, but like, there's also like a physical component. There's a lot of different things where that does happen, but at no point do I think we can say because all of a sudden our lives are merged in a more intimate manner than they ever were before, that also that means that our souls are merged. 
yeah. I would have some additional follow-up questions after that. Like if I'm married and then we die at separate times, do I not go to heaven and just kind of hang out in a waiting period for that person to come so that our souls and our lives can be judged together, even though I went before? Like it's it's messy. Yeah, because you're still an individual. It's when you messy. get married, you're not you're not all of a sudden the same person. No. Like no. I think about it about like every most of what you hear is body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So like the act of marriage is all body in my brain. Now, I mean, you know, I've never been married, but like. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say something really smart that like, would have been accurate. That's fine. Just take it, take it with a grain of salt. I've never been married. However, I've attended a lot of weddings. Like <laughs> what I was going to say had nothing to do about you never being married. I was going to say something smart about myself and then realize that that smart statement just was not going to serve a purpose. And that's why I left. Oh. So it was not, Good. it was not a knock on you whatsoever. It really wasn't. Please don't, please don't speak that then. I'm not. I'll text it to you later. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm going to laugh. Yeah, I know. I'll text it to you later. It's so. fine. But like, so I think about a body, soul, spirit, we have to take care of all three parts, but it's not that, like, I don't see it in a way of if you're connecting your body, like your spirit and Jesus, that's it. One and one, your body is the one that you have, like, kind of the most control over. Yes. You ain't got control over your spirit. You ain't got control over your soul. But you do get to control your body. But that doesn't mean that you can let other people into your soul. No. Other people into your spirit. And, that's, and that, that presents, like, a whole other realm of things that I don't think that we should ever dabble into. Witchcraft. That's what that deals with. I'm okay. Yeah. He said, I don't care. I'm okay. <laughs> I don't want none of those, those things cannot. No. Mm-mm. No, thank you. But I no, I do agree with you. And there there is there is a an enmeshing, right? Like there is an enmeshing. There is a emotion. There's a there are a lot of things that get involved when you get married and the and how those things merge. But I don't think souls are ever it. And even when you are married, like, yes, okay. The man is supposed to be the head of the household and he's supposed and to be the spiritual leader. The case. But also, you're still responsible for your own individual walk with Christ. So just because you're married doesn't mean all of a sudden, like, oh, I don't got to do devotions no more. Yeah. Oh, I don't got to really, you know, go out and, and praise and do all those things. Like, though, no, that's not how that works. You still have an individual walk with Christ. But when it comes to like big decisions, I hesitate to say this because it's not always going to work out this way all of the time. And I think this ties into like what we talked about in our previous two episodes of like making sure that what works for you all works for you all. Obviously, like it, it must be, I think it should be biblically based, right? But then there's some things that I'm going to look on the outside looking in. I'm like, that's weird. I don't know why I'll do that. But it works for you all. And you all, everybody has to be accountable for their choices and their decisions. So I'm not responsible and accountable for your choices to God at the end of the day. Right. So, but there, there are just certain things that get talked about different, that get viewed differently, that get handled differently. And I, but your walk with Christ is yours. So even though when you get married, he becomes a spiritual head, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you just hang up your coat and just like, all right, cool. Jesus, I did this Christian walk. I did this faith walk for a while until I got married and now I'm married. So peace out. It's been fun. He's going to take the reins. Like that's not how that works either. So 
It's interesting. It's really, really interesting to me, just this whole thought and process and mindset. It is honestly one of those things that I, the soul ties, that I genuinely just believed without doing any further conversation or talk about it because my pastor told, like my childhood pastor, like it was just talked about in church. Like it was just a thing. It was talked about. Yeah. It was never something that I was like, oh, I need to look into this more or oh, this doesn't make sense or this doesn't. Like I, it never crossed my mind. It was like, that's what you said. Okay, I believe it. I think that that's a, to me, over the past few days, like that said to me, like that's a dangerous place to be in. I should never allow someone to tell me what my God believes when I have the ability to go after and seek it myself. But I think that's a problem in the worldwide church in the world today. Like the amount of times that we we don't go into that depth and look for ourselves mm-hmm. or even have conversations like this with people we know and trust. Yeah. Like it's just very easy to say, all right, that's what they preach from the pulpit. So that's how it is. And you know what's interesting? And like that goes for everything. Yes. Like so like biblical things, political stances, like all the things that people like a preacher says on the stage. Now, you know my life well enough to know that I have been surrounded by pastors my entire life. I know your life. I second guess. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I second guess everything someone says when they on that stage, even when they're off the stage and we're just talking. I second guess everything because I have seen how the church is like I grew up in it. Mm -hmm. And I I'm sorry if anyone in my family is listening to this, (laughs) but I wouldn't say I grew up in a healthy one, like in a healthy church. I think that that's a reality that we just need to recognize. I also can unequivocally and emphatically say that I did not grow up in a healthy church environment. I mean, was it horrible? No. No, it was not. Were there healthy moments? Yes. But most of what I remember was unhealthy. And I think that that's, I think that at times that's the hard part, right? So I think, and you know this, from conversations that we've had, anybody who's had conversations with me about this knows this. I don't think that oftentimes, like oftentimes when we go through a hard situation with another person at work or a lot of different things, like we become so bitter and so stuck in the thought of like, this is now just a hundred percent a bad environment. And it doesn't have to be. We need to be able to separate and recognize that when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad and it's bad, we need to be able to recognize that. But in in most cases, the bad should, does not negate the good. It does not erase yeah. it from ever happening. And so they can coexist in a space. You can say, this did not serve me for whatever the reason was, for whatever the season was. It did not serve me. It was not helpful. It was not beneficial. But the good things did happen and they were good moments. They did happen. All right, cool. They were good. Doesn't mean you have to stay because of the good. Like, don't do that. We definitely talked about that in a previous episode. But it doesn't... <laughs> It doesn't do that. So I agree. Like being able to acknowledge and say like it was not a healthy church environment. There were teachings that were not healthy. Doesn't mean that there weren't good moments. And it doesn't mean that the heart of the people weren't good. I think yeah. oftentimes we we like to say like the church as a whole is bad because their views on things we don't al- agree with or popular aren't popular opinion or a lot of different things. But it doesn't mean that the heart of the person doesn't have good intentions. They just missed it. And at the end of the day, like my mindset, which I've had pastors tell me like they loved the fact that I was just upfront and honest with them. I was like, look, 
I grew up surrounded by pastors. I grew up in a pastor's family. Like, everything we did revolved around church leadership. Mm-hmm. I know that you're human. I know that you sin. I know that you fail. So I expect that from you. So, like, don't think I'm going to put you on a pedestal and expect you to be perfect. Because I'm, I'm used to most of, like, y'all, the, the few times I've gone to therapy, you know... <laughs> that conversation that gets brought up is always the people who have hurt me the most are church leaders yes and guess what i've been a church leader i'm still in the church like people it it, it, it is the people it is not a one or the other it is you have to take it all which i which i i really really hope that People who have been wounded by the church, who have been hurt by the church, who have walked away from the church, will find some hope in the fact that it doesn't have to be one. Like, yes, people can have hurt you. It does not make it okay at all. It is not okay. But it does not mean that we throw everything out with it. Because at the end of the day, the God that you believe in, believed in, the God that you're on hiatus with, whatever the terminology is, is still the same God. He hasn't changed. It's people who have gotten it wrong, but he hasn't changed. And I really do, I've seen a lot on um, the internet recently of just people saying that like peace and joy can also exist where there is tension and where there is pain. And that has really ministered to me and encouraged me something that I heard back when I was um, in Colorado where they talked about it, like the, there, there is that tension, but it's, oh, the tension doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It doesn't mean that it's horrible. It just means that this is where life is right now. And I really am hoping that some people who have been wounded by the church can look at it and just say that like, it was those individuals. It might've been that group of people, but it is not the church as a whole. And it does not mean that that was God. But I think there's also the ability to look at that and say okay, this sucked, let's do better. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. And it's the church is not going to do better until those people come back and say, hey, this was wrong, this is not okay, let's do better. Because you're not going to get anywhere in life unless you have the courage to stand up and say, let's do better. Hey, time out, this ain't working. part of that. Yeah, this isn't working. This isn't working, so let's try it again. I agree. It's it just like, let's I'm not do that. I'm still stuck in a spot of just thinking through like, wow, man, soul ties isn't a real thing. Well, why are we still saying that's a thing? I just I would love to sit down and have a conversation and like about soul ties with a preacher or a pastor or someone who has like taken the time to actually like dig into scripture. Yeah, because even like Googling it, it's attached to two scriptures. Yep. When you get married, you'll become one flesh, which it doesn't say one soul. Not a soul. It says one flesh. Yep. AKA body. Like, AKA whatever else you want to use for flesh. That's, it's not a soul. It's still though. not a soul. And that, and then like the idea that Jonathan and whatever his name was, I can't remember. <laughs> and David. Like that, their friendship. David. Yeah. So like, where did we get all this? If this is a Christian thing. Where did we get all of the other stuff from? Because it's not in the Bible. And 
if we're missing it, please tell us. I, I want to be educated. I would like to think that the people that I was listening to when they were saying those things weren't wrong, but also if they're wrong, it's okay. I'm an eight. I'll but bounce also, back. <laughs> if that's the case, why is there so much about like soul ties being linked to this other stuff? These other religious, that's mystic the, that's the part type of, type of things. Yes, that's the part that's most concerning to me. There are there are ways. You're gonna get tired of me saying this. Everybody needs to go to therapy, y'all. Let's go to therapy. Everybody <laughs> needs to go to therapy. If you are wounded and hurt by a, a previous relationship or the ending of a relationship go to therapy and talk it out because sometimes you just need an out sometimes we are wrong sometimes it's us and we just need to to know that sometimes it's not us and we need to heal from it but sitting there and then thinking like because i also think sometimes soul ties is an easy out it's just like oh well i was doing this because there was a soul tie because i had sex with that person uh, nah yeah. you just making bad choices sway like you just out here just not thinking through yeah which i mean that's your business that's your choice i also disagree with the idea that like soul tie is just all about sex i think the church just need to figure out how to talk about sex and be upfront about it let's talk about or sex, maybe be or maybe not be so focused on like you know families and kids and like let's forget about the fact that people leave the church at 18 and don't come back until their marriage is falling apart or they have babies and they want their kids to grow up in the church. But, you know, that could be a whole nother episode. I could preach that for weeks. But let's just could. forget about all these people and let's pretend that they don't they don't sin and they're not sinning. And don't worry, they're lost now, but they'll eventually come home. How do you come home if you don't know you're lost? Because we just out here, you know. That's always my question when people mention like lost souls. And I'm like, but you're you're going to wait till we hit rock bottom and come crawling back. But even... At least that's how I see in it. In some cases, I'm not going to say all. Even if... I'm going to say, even if you look at the story of the prodigal son, he didn't come back to his daddy's home until he hit his rock bottom. He hit rock bottom. And he didn't even have to do all the walking because you know when, when the father ran out to meet him, that man probably brought some kind of animal so he didn't have to walk no more. He was like, what? Who's coming up the driveway? You've been doing what? a long journey. You ain't gonna walk no more. He's coming? We gonna get him. We gonna get him because we not gonna <laughs> let him be gone. We gonna get him. Somebody go get my son. I'm gonna go get him myself. Y'all not moving fast enough. I can see that being the narrative. For real. And being the thing. But I, I, I just, I just, I wonder, I wonder where we as people, specifically Christians, have gotten to a point where we just don't, we're selective with what we call out or what we talk about or what we encourage people to discuss because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want to wound people. It's not our business. Like I hear that a lot. Like it's not our business. Um, no, it is our business. If we're, if we're seeing it and these are people who profess the same faith and they're walking the same walk or saying they want to or different down the third and we see them veering off, it is our business. Now, it's not our business to sit there and be like, you know, a chatty Kathy and be like, so I saw the other day that you were doing this. Let's talk about it. No, no, no. That's because that's the wrong. In, that's the wrong intentions. <laughs> that's the wrong heart. That's just you being nosy and messy. And we don't need a nosy and messy person. But to walk up to someone and just say, "Hey, are you doing okay? I've seen a couple of things that just indicate that you might not be okay. I just want to check in. Are you good?" And open up the door for that conversation. Yeah. Compassion, empathy, somewhere, any of those things would be somewhere helpful. along the way. We've gotten to this point that. 
calling out sin and speaking truth to truth is not biblical. And I would love for us to get back to that. Like, because that's not accurate. Now, we shouldn't be going around judging people and being like, ooh, I see what you're doing is that in the third. Like, we're not, don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's rude and that's messy and that's not okay. Because let somebody turn around and do that to you. You're having a whole conniption fit. You're losing your mind. It's this whole thing. It's mm-hmm. like this whole thing, right? But there is a way to approach people and just say, hey, I'm just checking in. Are you okay? You don't appear like you're okay. It's called using discernment. <laughs> it's called being aware. It's just like, there, there are ways you- to handle things gently and somehow or another, we've, we've, we've walked away from that. And it's, it's just, it's stressful to me. But I think, and I think it all goes back to, like, why are you doing this? Right. Like, right. The, the why of it. Right. Like, are you doing it because you genuinely have, know that person and you care for them and you see them going down a bad path? Yep. And if so, you should have that compassion. You should have that empathy. You should be able to say, Jesus... Tell me what words I need to say to get through. Whether this is me planting a seed for something that you're going to sprout later, or if this is, like, me watering the seed. Because I know for me there's been times where, like, I have to hear the same thing, like, four or five times in order for me to be clicking my head. And it's like, okay, the first time someone just planted the seed. Uh The next two times they were, like, watering it. You know, like... That is okay, too. But you need to know, like, go into it not expecting the world and them to have this confession and this amazing turnaround. I say to my students all the time when they want me to talk to a pair of theirs that offended them or hurt their feelings or whatever. And I always say to them, I have no problem having that conversation because obviously it's important to you. So we will talk about it. It's not a it's not a problem to talk about it. But I always want them to leave the conversation knowing that I cannot change somebody's heart. I can have the conversation. I can make them aware. Hey, you did X, Y, and Z. It offended this person. You did blah, blah, blah. And it really rubbed somebody the wrong way. So you need to be mindful of that. But ultimately, it's up to them whether or not they're going to continue to do that directed towards that person or to another person. And I think it's the same thing in our, in our walk, like just because you encourage someone or you, you speak into someone's life that you're not the person that changes them. They have to decide that Mm -hmm. they have to decide if they're going to put in the work to do that. And so sometimes you might feel like you're talking to a brick wall. That's okay. One day, hopefully they'll pay attention and they'll want to. I always think that it's better to at least say something when something, when you, when you feel led to, or you feel urged to, than to not say anything at all. Because if you don't say anything at all, you don't want to be on the back end of, man, if I had only had said this, it could have impacted this person or they could have made a different decision and not be at this outcome. And you never know if you just sit there and not say anything. And so I'm not, I think that there is a difference between judging someone and coming down hard on someone, but also just gently saying like, hey, like, and I think it starts with a, hey, are you good? Mm-hmm. It starts. People want to unburden themselves. They want to talk about some of the things that are heavily weighing on them. They just don't know that they can. And so if you create that avenue, then create the avenue. Let somebody talk. Be the reason that somebody wants to talk about something challenging that they're going through that day to kind of get some clarity. Even if you don't have any of the answers, at least for them to be able to say, okay, I got that off my chest. I think I need to go do X, Y, and Z. It's always better than just to not. And then we have people walking around with pent up frustration and then just a whole bunch of weird things start happening from my lens. All the frustration. So 
Soul ties are not a biblical thing. Let's stop talking about it. Let's encourage people to have healthy relationships, to have clear, consistent boundaries. Let's encourage people to check the Bible, read the Bible. Read the Bible, people. Read it. It's it's really not that difficult. Y'all can't be that bored unless you're reading numbers. There's a lot of interesting stories. No, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a talks about a lot of things. Talks about a lot of things. So read your Bible. Read your Bible. And I just would also like to point out for people who are going to say, you say read the Bible, but the Bible doesn't tell me what to do. Somebody slides into my DMs and says something inappropriate or somebody does something on the internet because the internet didn't exist then. Yes, we understand that. We're not saying to look at it and say, how do I respond to this inappropriate social media situation? But it is a guide. So it'll tell you, you probably shouldn't go back in there cussing and fussing and screaming and hollering. You probably should gently just say, I'm going to remove myself from this narrative because this isn't serving me a purpose. You can do that. So yes, a lot of the things there are not going to give you a direct example or correlation to what it is. But at the end of the day, God loves you. We're humans. We are smart. We can, yes. You should be able to figure it out. You should be able to. And if not, phone a friend. Or ask God. Or Or ask God. It's difficult. It is difficult sometimes. I'll be honest with you. I'll be the first person to admit. Sometimes I don't be asking God because I'd be like, I know that you're going to say something that I don't want to hear. So I'm going to call someone that's going to be more in line with what I would like to hear in this moment. Thank you so much. And that will literally be my prayer. And then what will happen is I'll call somebody and they won't answer the phone. And I'll just be like, for real though, like you had to do all that. Like you, okay, well, I'll hear what you have to say, but make it quick though. Cause we know I'm not going to like it. Yeah. But it, but at the end of the day, it, at the end of the day, it's worth being inconvenienced. It's worth looking unpopular. It is worth all of those things at the end to be able to put your head down at the end of the night and say, I did the best that I could and I have no regrets for today. I did the best that I could and I know that I did not offend somebody. And I know that I loved people the way that they should have been loved. Then going to sleep at night with regrets, wondering, oh man, I should have done this. I should have, oh, they're not going to talk to me now, so I can't even make it right. It's stressful. To not be kind and to do the right thing and to just not do what you feel led to do. Do what you feel led to do. Led by who? Led by Jesus, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't do what your three o'clock feelings are telling you to do because that's probably not the best idea. I used to have a friend in college. He used to say, <laughs> ain't nothing oh, open God. past nine o'clock but legs. And I'd be like, oh, don't say that. And he was like, but for real, like, what do you go home? Do your homework, write your papers. I'm like, man, okay. I mean, he ain't lying. Like, I'm already home, but I just feel like that's just a little aggressive for people you're saying that to. And he'd be like, it's fine. Thank you. I always got mm-hmm. the once it's dark out comments. Ain't nothing good happens after dark. I don't particularly like that one. Personally, just because in the wintertime, it gets dark really quickly. And I just would like to say that at 530, <laughs> it, does. it doesn't but mean also, that nothing's happening at 530. Because I still have to eat dinner. I still have to go to the grocery store. Maybe I have to pick up some prescriptions or maybe run to Target. You know? But it's dark out. I just want to sleep then. I'm like a bear. So oh. I'm up on this. Like, I hibernate in the winter. No, I got you. I just wasn't expecting that. That to darkness, fun. that darkness just make me want to sleep. So I think a lot of things, I think we can just say to people, because it, it, I genuinely do believe it doesn't matter if it's nighttime or dark time. Nighttime or dark time. I said the same thing twice. It doesn't matter if it's night <laughs> or if it's day. 
people are going to do the things that they want to do regardless. So I think that we should stop putting these, these time restrictions. The sun is up. You're going to be perfect when the sun goes down. No. And I, old school things, nursery rhymes, all of those weird things, but it's not the reality. You're going to do what you're going to do. I just hope that what you're doing during the daylight or the nighttime are nice and kind and generous things. And that's all, folks. That's all, folks. That's all we got for you. Um, what's our next so, episode? Yeah. We, we did tell everyone we would talk about something light and fun the next episode because we, we hit three pretty intense and slash heavy topics back to back. Everything's light and fun when we're talking about it, though. <laughs> I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> also, I made a new sticker. It comes in the mail tomorrow. What does it say? It says, we don't date potential. Uh, maybe that's what we should talk about. No, let's not. So, oh no, yeah. we can definitely I, talk about we don't date I gotta potential. Have a, I gotta have at least two therapy sessions before that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. We'll talk about something light and fluffy. I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll put something on it. Steph will put something on the Instagram and she'll say, hey guys, what do you want to talk Topics. about? We'll let yeah. the next episode be listener's choice topics you guys get to choose the topic and it won't be my parents picking because i asked them yesterday and they said that they are behind several episodes so hmm. this is ron's opportunity to talk about any of the things and he's wasting away a good opportunity but it's fine yep so yes that's it the next episode will be listener's choice so steph will post something on instagram let us know what you would like for us to talk about we will let you all know what the topic is before we record and we'll go from there So, peace. Bye.